there's anything that should give you assurance this morning is that Christ knows your name. Guys, you ought to get excited about that. I, I, was, I was telling everybody in, in the Sunday school this morning, I said, you know, as we were getting into uh, doctrinal studies and, and, and the greatness of God, goodness of God, and I said, you know, a lot of times, I'm just going to be straight up with you, okay? I know you might not even feel like coming this morning. You say, you know what, I got a lot going on, I need to get home, I got some things to do. Let me tell you something, there's nothing greater than rejoicing and praising God in corporate fellowship. And I pray that we get a little bit excited. Um, You know, I've often, people said, man, you're an emotional guy, you get to crying sometimes. Well, I love the Lord, get over it. But, (laughs) But what I will share with you this morning is this. We need to get excited for Christ. He knows your name. Last night, my daughter began to scream and holler and carry on <clears throat> right before bed. I go, what is going on? You know, and, and I go in there, and her brother and her weren't fighting. I said, what is the matter? Her and Josiah are standing in the middle of the porch, and, or in the middle of the living room, and said, there's something in our house. I said, what is it? I said, I don't know, but it's flying everywhere. I said, come on. So Josiah said, it's a bird or a bat, but it's one of them. Hot. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm half sleeping. I'm going looking. And sure enough, it was a little sparrow about this big. And listen. My wife had taken the trash out and only had the door open for a second. He was sitting on our porch at the light and he had flown in. That's what we assume. So I opened my daughter's window and he, he flew out. But you know, the Bible lets us know that even God knows about the little sparrow. How much greater are you? That ought to get you excited. He knows your name. This morning I will bring a conclusion to our Dressing for Battle series, Clothing Yourself with the Full Armor of God. In two weeks I will begin preaching through the book of Hebrews. I, 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 I pray that you'd be faithful. Like I said when I went through the book of Revelation, that you don't want to miss it. Because I'm tell you, I believe that all text is tied. You can't take anything separate from the other. It all goes together. And I pray that we will be, we will be uh, faithful and study God's Word. But I want to right now finish the full armor of God. Everybody stand with me and let's read the text. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist evil in the day. Having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You may be seated. 
Reader's Digest. We've already gone through this, but let me give you a really brief synopsis, a really brief discussion here. Stand firm. You see that three times, which means what? Stand firm. Hold fast to the faith you possess, for he that promised is faithful. Hebrews 10, 23. We'll get there too. Stand firm. And he says very clearly, gird your loins, put on the girdle, put on the belt that holds everything together. That is the foundation of truth, which is God's word, not only words of Christ, but words about Christ, the breathed word of God. That is the foundation by which you stand. He says, as you put on the, uh, as you have girded your loins in truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the clips to that belt, to protect your chest, to protect your heart, because we are to be holy because God is holy. Seek righteousness. We will never attain the righteousness of God. He is holy. He is pure. He is clean. We will never achieve it, but we should strive for it. That we look to conform to the image of Christ. We must be and seek righteousness. Why? Because we live in a world that is unrighteous. God has given us armament to protect us against the world. Rest in Him. And He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the peace that brings division, the peace that is the truth that brings peace to a man's heart, the word and the gospel. And as I told you when you talk about having your feet shod, it is not being in a running position, but that the Romans would nail spikes through their sandals in their greaves that they would stand firm, that when the enemy would tack, they would be able to be immovable. We're standing on the gospel of peace. And he says, in addition, take up the shield of faith. That faith that is in Christ our Savior can extinguish the flaming arrows. Why? Because he is greater than what's in the world. You must have the full armament of God. And I encourage each one of you today, as I've encouraged you the past few weeks, to investigate your life and see what armament you may lack in. Because to understand this, you can't just wear part of it. You've got to wear it all. Because there will be a glitch and there's an opening. And when there's an opening, there's a potential for damage. Amen? But then he says this. In addition to taking up the shield of faith, which will able to extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to share with you a few minutes, a few minutes about this sword of salvation. Or, I'm sorry, this helmet of salvation. You see, the Helmet that was worn by the warm or that was worn by the Roman soldiers was a galea, which was leather, a galea, whatever you want to call it, however you want to say it. Galea, galea. It was a leather helmet that strapped with like sideburn pieces that latched on the bottom. And they had a cassis, which was a metal instrument that went above it. It was to protect you from the blow of the broadsword. In other words, you need your head in battle. Because once you get struck and that piece of your head 
you're done. And any glitch of armor we talk about, or any glitch in it, can cause damage. But I can assure you, without a shield and without a helmet, you're done. You may be wounded without the other pieces, but I can promise you, with one strong head blow, or one arrow through the heart, and it's over. And that's what Satan looks for, is those glitches in that armor. He says, you put on the helmet of salvation. Well, why do we need to have the helmet of salvation? A helmet, what does a helmet do? Well, it protects your head. You see, Satan will go after your head. Why? Because with your head, what do you do? You look up to God. If he can keep you distracted, then he has done everything that he can do to keep you from looking to God. And I give this example many times, but think about this. Have you ever been in a position or in a situation where you get distracted and look away from God instead of looking to Him? I've done this before. I have my quiet times going to work because it's quite a travel for me and then a travel back that I spend my time with no radio on, nothing but me and Jesus. But I've been going up and I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie Up with a little dog that can speak. It goes, squirrel! You know, something all of a sudden takes his attention immediately. He gets distracted. And I've been going up the road and having a conversation with Christ. I'll be in prayer and all of a sudden a deer will run out. Or I'll see something goofy on the road that distracts me just for a few moments to get my focus off what I was doing. Have you ever been there? Been trying to spend time in prayer and the phone will go off. Been trying to share the gospel and somebody will chime in and distract you. But it said, you put on that helmet... Because the helmet of salvation is this, listen, it is the reflection of the past that established us, but it is also the future that we rest in. The salvation is not only when we were saved, but the reflection of what God has prepared for us in the future. That's the helmet of salvation. Because what happens is, Satan just wants to get the fight out of you. We've talked about that. And he loves to do it when we look to God. He, he loves to distract us. When we look to, to discern and, and, and study Scripture, He loves to distract us. How is your quiet time with the Lord? Now I'm going to get personal for a minute. I won't ask anybody to raise their hand, but how, many how much time do you spend in God's Word? And I'm going to get to that a little later because this ties in. Have you ever tried to read your text and something distracts you? It's very important that we get along with God, not only with our head as we lift up to Him in prayer, but with our head we kneel to Him in His Word. This is very important. Because as a born-again believer, you have the truth which is in Christ. You have the written Word of God. It is to be studied. It is to be learned. It is to be meditated upon. Because God has given us everything we need in 66 books. How much time do we spend in it? What keeps us from it? As I've said many times, most professing believers believe more what somebody says the Bible says than what the Bible actually says. We cannot be held in correct armor when we regurgitate other people's words instead of God's word. The foundation must be based on God's word. We look to God with our heads. We look to His Word on our knees and we bend the head in the other direction, which He gives us discernment. 
And then we think and we look and we reason righteousness. You know, God, I said something the other day that, 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 that I hope makes a point here. I think a lot of times we take our senses for granted until they're gone. Being able to hear, being able to smell, being able to taste. You remember when COVID was out, people had a problem with smelling and some were tasting. Some people still hadn't gotten it back. But that one sense that people had, and, and it cost people their lives. Some came out of it, some didn't. And it was a wicked thing. But people talk about the uncomfortableness, because when I got it, I lost my taste for a while. But it came back. Some people's it didn't. But you know what? I missed that element. Chicken didn't taste like chicken. Okay? Now, Chad, where are you going with this? I'm making a point. Now, bear with me. I praise God that I have the ability to see. That God has given me this face. Now, many people might think it's attractive. Hey, give me what I have, and it is what it is. But my point is, I can see, I can smell, I can hear. And I should never take that for granted because with the helmet that God has protected with me, protects me with, he has given me opportunity to see the word. He's given me an opportunity to hear the word. He's given me the opportunity to smell the goodness of his glory in the creation that he's given. Just like that little sparrow that the heavenly father feeds. Just like those lilies of the field. They don't toil nor they spin, but yet Solomon in all his glory wasn't clothed as one of those. I can smell. I can see nature. I can taste. And I can reason. And you say, well, Chad, I have all that too. Let me tell you something. Satan loves to attack and get you distracted. And let me tell you how he does that. You see, you know, I cast a lot of it. And I guarantee you there's some of you here this morning, I want to be encouraged to you that you have doubts. Do you have doubts? Do you have fear? Are you discouraged? How many of you in here, I, you can't raise your hand, you don't have to, but how many of you struggle with discouragement in here? Maybe it may be your job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's life in general. And see, when you are discouraged, Satan will use that to tell you you're nothing. And apart from Christ, that is a correct statement. But within Christ, I am everything. He gets your eyes off focus. Listen to this. One of my favorite psalms... In the Bible. And, and, and if you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn with me. We're going to do a little homework today. Or actually schoolwork. You do homework when you get home. Psalm 27. One of my favorite Psalms. Psalm of David. And he starts off with Psalms, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fall. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent, He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. Listen. And when you said, seek my face, my heart said, said to you, 
My heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me. O God, of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such I will breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait upon the Lord. You see what he is saying? Your own family may turn against you. Your adversaries may seek to destroy you. Your household may be turned upside down, but you wait on the Lord. Why? He said, I would have despaired unless I had believed. Did you hear what he said? I would have. Because he knows that God is greater than all these things that are upon the earth. And he that saved you will sustain you. Do you believe that? Do you? Stephen Cole said this. Dropping papers. Listen. The helmet protects your head from the enemy's attacks. Listen. Your head is a very important part of your body because it contains your brain, which controls everything. Your head determines how you think about all of life. How you think in large determines how you feel and how you act. To put on the helmet of salvation requires that you learn to think biblically about the predominant worldviews. You must develop a Christian mind, a saved mind. Your head determines how you function in all of life. If your brain is not working properly, it affects how other parts of your body work. A brain injury can affect motor skills or the ability to speak or think clearly. If a soldier got knocked unconscious by a blow to the head, he was probably doomed. But he had to guard his head against having the helmet securely in place. Spiritually, salvation determines how we live in this single sinful world. We live as pilgrims who have been rescued from the present evil kingdom of Satan. We live in subjection to Jesus Christ as Lord and King. We view everything, values, money, entertainment, the arts, or politics from the perspective of being saved people. You hear that? Being saved people. Understanding the doctrine of salvation equips us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Salvation is the foundational doctrine to understand cognitively and know experientially. Putting on the helmet of salvation protects everything in your life. Your head determines how you relate to others. Once you put on the helmet of salvation, you realize that all people are in one of two and only two alone camps. Either they are saved and going to heaven, or they are lost and they're going to hell. But because you have put on the helmet of salvation, you can relate to people differently than you did before. The power of Jesus Christ in salvation. Amen? That helmet protects our head. You think about it. Have you ever had a migraine that took you down? Have you ever got poked in the eye? Satan wants to distract you. He'll give you that migraine of doubt. He'll give you that eye poke of people that plot against you. He may rip everything that you think from you to torment you. He may affect your body, but I want you to listen to me real good that Satan can't do nothing that God won't allow him to do. You hear me? See, I don't believe that. Then you read the book of Job. It's in there. You will be sifted. You will be tried. 
you will go through trials and tribulations. And I said this, I'll continue to say it till everybody gangs up and runs me off. God never promised you to be healthy. He never promised you to be wealthy. But he said, I am enough. Because your money nor your life can be saved by anything other than Jesus Christ. He's enough. And that helmet of salvation is the idea that we put on that helmet protecting us with not only the reassurance of our salvation, but the hope that Jesus will return. I can promise you that he's coming back. He came to this earth first as a lamb, but I can promise you he's coming back as a lion. And I said yesterday at a funeral, I'll tell you today, and you've heard me say many times, you can bow now or you can bow later, but I guarantee you every one of you is going to bow. We're going to bow. Have you equipped yourself with a helmet of salvation? And now, brothers and sisters, we're going on the offensive. Take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. We've been standing firm and we've been ready to attack, to, to thwart all the attacks that come at us. But let me tell you now what you have. You got your own broadsword. And it's the rhema of God. Let me tell you what that means. You see, if any of you ever, and I, I talked about this before with the Battle of Thermopylae, how they held off the whole Persian army, was because they entrapped themselves in this gap. And as the Persians came at them, they stood together with their shields. And when they could not penetrate... Then the, then the uh, Spartans began to move forward and taking them apart as they moved forward. Worked as one unit. They got themselves into close quarters combat. And it was only by one reckless person who ratted them out that they were defeated. But I can tell you this. They stood their ground and when the enemy came to a dead stop, they began to advance. Every one of us should clothe ourselves with a spirit of the word. Let me tell you what this means. Listen. Steve or David Gusick writes this. The idea that the Spirit provides a sword for you, and that sword is the Word of God. It's the rhema. I want to clear that up in just a minute. To effectively use the sword of the Spirit, we can't regard the Bible as a book of magic charms to tie one around a neck and, and have garlic in a way that says, Go away, vampires. To effectively use the sword, we must regard it as the Word of God. If we are not confident in the inspiration of Scripture, the Word really came from the Spirit, then we will not use it effectively at all. But we must also take the sword of the Spirit in the sense of depending that He helps us to use it. Not only did the Spirit give us the Scriptures, but also He makes them alive to us and equips us with the right thrust of the sword at the right time. Let me give you an example of this. There's two words used for word in the Bible. You'll see the word logos, which means a God utterance, the complete revelation and power of God. Then you have the rhema, which is the words of God that he used for a direct situation or a specific time for a specific reason. Okay? And I like to use Luke 137 for this. Now, most of you are going to look through this, if you're scholars, and you should, it says, well, it don't say anything about the word in that. God called, you know, God, with God nothing's impossible. But the actual Greek is, the word of God will not fail. The rhema of God 
will not fare. Let me tell you something. I have heard many people say, this is a sword. Wrong. This is an arsenal slammed full of swords. And everything that you have that God has given you in this can be wielded as an advancement. Let me tell you how it works, how the rhema of God works. Have you ever been in a situation where you were sharing the gospel with somebody or maybe sharing the word with somebody and all of a sudden you were asked a question that, that stumped you? Then all of a sudden God lights up to your heart and says, Tell them this! That's the rhema of God in the spirit that He gives you what you need when you need it to share what has to be said. And you make the advancement. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more weaker than a Christian who does not know the Word of God. Listen to me. There's no excuse for any of us that call ourselves believers not to study this Word. There's no excuse. Listen to this. Christendom must have people who can beat down their adversaries and opponents and tear off the devil's equipment and armor that he may be brought into disgrace. But for his work, powerful warriors are needed who are thoroughly familiar with the Scriptures and can contradict all false interpretations and take the sword from false teachers. That is, those very verses which false teachers use and turn them around upon them so they will fall back defeated. But as not all Christians can be so capable in defending the Word and articles of their creed, they must have teachers and preachers who study the Scriptures and have daily fellowship with it so that they can fight for all the others. Yet each Christian should be so armed that he himself is sure of his belief and of the doctrine and is so equipped with the sayings from the Word of God that he can stand up against the devil and defend himself when men seek to lead him astray. Martin Luther, 1531. I want to explain something to you. I don't have all the answers. But I can go to God's Word and find what I need when I need it. Are you prepared to use the Word of God? Let me give you something, though, please. I want you to hear me, what I say. The Word of God should always be used for His glory and for that purpose alone. It should never be used to try to prove an argument for your sake of winning. But for the glory of God, that people may be encouraged, but number one, first and foremost, that they may be saved. That is the Word of God. And I want to encourage you today, if you don't have a way to study, you say, Chad, I'm not a good reader, then there's things that'll play it for you. I am so thankful for technology. I believe it's caused us a lot. I'm going to be honest with you. But there's no excuse for anybody in this room, regardless of where you stand, not to be approached nor surrounded by the Word of God. No reason. You have it. God has given it to us. And He has given us an opportunity to share with the world as we are armed ourselves with, with the armor that He has provided. Again, it's not a mentality that we let go and let God as people falsely in, in interpret the, the, the battle of Jehoshaphat. But what He's saying is, look, I got this, but you've got to participate. You've got to go into battle. And you may come across and you may come back bruised, but I can assure you that God's Word is enough. 
His rhema is enough. Look, do you realize this? It's not only that you know Scripture, but you apply it correctly. Now, I'm going to get into this for a few moments because this is very important. Now that we have quietness, listen. We've always Anyway, listen. Satan knows Scripture too. I shared this yesterday. Satan knows Jesus. I share this continually. Satan knows Jesus. Demons believe. They tremble. The Bible is very clear on that. But does Jesus know you? Remember, we've discussed that. But Satan knows Scripture. And if I could, I want to read something to you. There is an important, important rule of Scripture. It must be shared correctly. You see, God's Word is not something that should be thrown out flippantly to give false hope and turn the gospel into six flags over Jesus. The word should be presented correctly and clearly. So many people have been misled and led astray for two reasons. Number one, they believed men more than they did God. And number two, because they failed to read the word of God for themselves. You see, the Bible tells me in Matthew 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. <clears throat> and the tempter came to him saying, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of, or stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, "If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written." Did you hear that? For it is written that he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But just like false prophets, listen to me. The devil likes to take scripture. And twist it. How can we discern false prophets if we can't have an understanding of Scripture? That is why doctrine is always important. We live in a time where doctrine does not matter. It's whether we're entertained. That we go to church and maybe we'll hear an inspirational speech. Maybe they got an awesome kids program. Maybe they got greatest Bible study or, or school on vacation Bible school that's ever been created. Maybe they have a budget of $15 million. Maybe they have a way to get you into everything that you could possibly imagine. They may even give you a car. But I can tell you this, and please listen clearly. 
that none of those things will save you. It's not based on a church's seating capacity, but on their sending capacity. And if you're not prepared to go into the word of world with the Word of God, then you aren't prepared. I am not here to entertain. I tell people many times, I don't beg people to join, I don't beg people to stay. But I'll tell you this, to the best of my ability, I will try to preach the Word of God. Because I can tell you in the end, somebody else will live on that house at 160 Rector Street. Somebody else will have my telephone number. And somebody else will have my car, it'll be in a pound. My clothes will be given to Goodwill. And all the things that I tried to achieve on my own, or I thought I did, will be given to somebody else. That's the entertainment world. Seek you first. Let me say something. You seek Christ first. You must be able to distinguish between false prophets. And like Martin Luther said... Or listen to pastors who will discern the Word of God and will teach it correctly. Because a pastor, listen to me, I don't care who you know. I don't care who your idol is, they're men. I will let you down. There is no good in me. Only Christ that lives in me. I am a flawed man living in a flawed world, but saved by an unflawed Christ. And everything that I must do must be wrapped around him. And any preacher or anybody that came up to me said, Chad, I don't understand with this. Would you share with me? I may not agree with this. Will you share with me? Absolutely. Because any preacher, any preacher that says, I don't want to have nothing to do. You just take what I say and go on. Then you flee. Because we live in a world where we try to equip those who said they are men of God with things that they shouldn't have. Like I've said before, if you see a preacher riding a Maserati and flying around in airplanes, that's not a sign of the church's, a church's blessing or God's blessing. It's a sign of his stupidity. Well, I got quite quick. <laughs> because the Word of God teaches me that you're my family. And my family, we take care of one another. And I'm not above you. And you not above me, but as somebody said in our Sunday school class, we all on equal playing ground at the foot of the cross. And I don't have an I-V relationship. I have a we. I'm a fan. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you read. Because I can tell you this. When it comes to the end, listen, this is why we need to discern with the Word of God. In the end, when you stand before Christ... Why should I let you in heaven? What you going to tell him? Man, I was baptized. I said a prayer. I give to the church. I attended faithfully for 40 years. Preacher said if I'd give my money, I'd get what I'm supposed to have. Man, our church sure did have a great, man, yours. Man, they got a fire show like you'd never seen before. Man, they got a bus that picks me up in the parking lot. We're so big. Now, I know what somebody's going to say when they read our Chad's crashing on big churches. Look, I'm not crashing on any side of churches. I'm just crashing on this. If you put your focus on what they have instead of Christ, 
you have a problem. And that's a hill that I will take my shoes off and down. Because my job is not to fill these pews with people. My job is to fill the people with Christ. Because when I stand before Christ, I got to give an account as a teacher. I got to give an account as a preacher. And I'm sure he's going to hold me accountable for the things I've said wrong. Because there's fear when it comes to leading this word. And like Paul, I have not arrived. But I've tri- pressed toward that goal, trying my best to achieve what God has laid out in front of me. And that's to follow him with all my heart, soul, and mind. Love him with all my heart, soul, and mind. And love my neighbors myself. Because it would be heresy and it would be blasphemy to teach you something contradictory to what God's word says. We need that sword of the spirit. We need his word. And I want to encourage you this morning that look, as we get into, and as we get into studying God's word, and we begin to start going into the book of Hebrews, I want to encourage everybody here to take off your floaties, to take off your life vest, and let's step out into faith and start heading to the deep water. Guys, we need to be rooted. Let me tell you something. We need the Word of God. We need that helmet for our head. We've got to protect all the damage that can be thrown at us with the blow of Satan. But we can go off on the offensive with the Word of God. You stand your ground, but let me tell you this. When that enemy gets close, you've got a sword that he has given you to thwart the enemy. People always ask me, Chad, what's the best translation? I'll tell you this very clearly. Get your pencils, write this one down. A red one. I found Hebrew. Right? A red, R-E-A-D. It's not that whether you spend your time in certain translations, but you spend your time in a translation that you read. And let me tell you something, I'll be glad to go into battle with any of you. And I'm honored to have you here. But let me tell you a little bit about Living Way Community Church for those that are online, those that may be visiting, maybe you want to know a little bit about us. I'll tell you this. We are a flawed people that serve an unflawed Christ. Any of us at any given time will let you down. There is no perfect church. You know why? Because I'm here. I'm in it. You're not perfect either, but I tell you what we will do. We will love you, and we, to our best of our abilities, will try to disciple you to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Because we believe that when Christ comes back, it's too late. There are no second chances. See, we also believe that death is also assured. The mathematical statistics tell us that one out of every one person will die. That's 100%. And you know, my brothers and sisters, this is the thing I love about the Bible. I can only read in the Bible one deathbed confession of Christ. And for those of you who may not know, it's the thief on the cross. We're not guaranteed that opportunity or tomorrow. 
Only thing we know, we guaranteed this moment to say yes or no to Christ. And I pray that if you do not have a relationship with Him, that He convicts your heart. You may not know when you leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. For the Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells me that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I will not rip that verse out of context. Believe means to commit. Believe means to commit. See, it's a discourse between him and Nicodemus, Nicodemus where Nicodemus can't see the trees for the forest because he's so religious. But his religion was best based on his self-righteousness. And Jesus said, you must be born again. To mean, not only do I believe in the person and the work of Christ, I commit to it. And my life will reflect it. If you're not saved, you can be. For those of you who are born again believers in Christ, and he is talking out in context with the full armor of God, to be able to don the full armor of God, you must be a born again believer. There is no negotiation. A lost person cannot put on the armor. Why? Because they have no core in which to wrap the armor around. But if you're a born again believer and you got kinks in your armor, I pray that you stay in his word. And that every piece of armament that he gives, that you clothe yourself and you do it daily. Because we will fail. We can't even walk without Christ holding our hand. And I want you to understand that I love each and every one of you. He said, Chad, sometimes I don't feel like it, but I want you to know I do. Because heaven's glorious, hell's hot, and eternity's long. And there's no in-betweens. Christ is greater than all things. And I pray today that we cover our final piece, our head, with the salvation that God's given us. And we prepare to go into battle with the truth that He's given us. Because I will tell you this, and I want you to be encouraged. Think about this, please. There's a reason why God calls us saints. We need each other. And let me tell you something, there's nothing stronger than an army that is affixed in going into battle. We need each other to go into battle. God's given us the equipment to do it. We just got to be faithful and willing to go. And I want to encourage you. You will have trouble. You will face death. You will face strife. You will face sickness. You will have a stomach virus. You will have a kidney stone. You will have heart trouble. Your family members will die. Somebody will get cancer. Somebody will get COVID. Somebody will lose their house. Somebody will lose their car. Somebody will lose their job. You will lose your 401k. You will lose your life savings. You will go and be affected by something in your life. If you don't, then you're not living. That's the reality. If you are a born-again believer, you will be attacked. You will be persecuted. You will be made fun of. You will be laughed at. You will be questioned. You will be given every opportunity to prove that you are what you say you are. That's life. But I can promise you this, that Christ is enough. And if we don our armor that He has given us as instruments of battle for His glory, He is enough. Because remember that all these things that I have spoken of is not our provider. Christ is. 
And as we go out as an army into this world, sorry about the analogy, but listen to me. As we go out into the army of this world, I want you to have a burning down deep in your bones like Jeremiah to come to the realization that salvation is priority. As one evangelist said so many times, we spend more time praying saints out of heaven than we do for sinners that are going to hell. We need to see people saved. And we need to have an urgency to carry that word to them. Let me tell you something. Anytime you speak the word of God in truth, it will never return void. We need you. God don't, but we do. We love you. And we thank you, and I want to encourage you, and listen, we're transparent here, too. I had one man tell me, my name's in the bulletin, I had, or my number, personal phone number, and the guy says, why would you do that? Why wouldn't I? I don't hide from anybody. If you have a need, we'll pray for you. Now, I work by vocation. It might take a little bit for me to get back to you. Sometimes it goes, I can't get to it. But I will. We have email addresses. There are leaders in this church that would love to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people here that will pray with you. There are people here that will disciple you. But let me encourage you, you've got to be willing to take that step. But I can promise you this. Whereas men will let you down, Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. And that is his word and that is his promise. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, you know my name. And Lord, I, I rejoice in that. God, I pray today that we hold firm to the Word. Lord, that we hold firm. Stand firm. You've given us everything we need to go into battle. And you're enough. Lord, and I pray this for me, that I wouldn't be as distracted by worldly sorrows or worldly things. Because I know me. I know me left alone, Lord, can be prideful. I know me left alone will seek things that maybe I shouldn't seek. Lord, sometimes I may get jealous. And sometimes I'm afraid. But Lord, you have not given those spirits to us. But Lord, I pray that through your armor I clothe to cover every kink. And God, one thing that I've learned about armament, it will have its dings and dents in it. I may be covered with every piece of armament I can, but Satan's still coming. But Lord, that's the casualties of being in the middle of the battle. But Lord, the reward of being in the middle of the battle is that you fight it for us and we'll spend eternity with you. God, I pray for everyone here this morning. Lord, I don't know where they stand. Lord, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But Lord, what we do know is you're able to save. God, I pray that if there's one here today that does not have that relationship with you, that you convict their heart, whether they're here, whether on air, Lord, that you burn conviction upon them, that they're miserable, 
They can't sleep. They can't eat. Because they know there's a God-sized hole that only you can fill. And we pray that first and foremost. That people will be saved. And Lord, I pray secondly for our brothers and sisters out here. That like me can get a kink in the armor. But God, give them the encouragement that is found in your word. But Lord, we must be obedient and read it. We must be obedient and follow it. And that our battle is not just one and done. That it's a 24 hour battle each and every day. That Lord, we have to seek your presence. Lord, I pray that as I stand here today, Lord, that it's not people are drawn here by something fancy that we do. That, Lord, people don't want to come here because we may have a better program than somebody else or a worse one. But, Lord, you use this church to preach your word clearly whether it be from the pulpit, whether it be from the song, whether it be from children's church, from Sunday school to VBS. God, I praise your name that you have placed people in these positions that love you and want to see people saved and ministered to. And I thank you for that. We do not have the power to save a soul. But Lord, we pray that you use us as your instruments for your glory. God, we love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us as we sing.